the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let me ask you, do you play it safe or do you risk things? Today, we're going to ask you to risk your life for someone special. Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard is next. it all out there, hanging it all out on the line, risking your life for something that really matters. That is what we're focused on here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Welcome to the program. Don't Waste Your Life is the title of our series, and that is what Pastor Phil is helping us work through here in the book of Philippians. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 30 is where we're at. Today's message is called Risk Your Life For Him, and indeed, By the end of our time together today, you'll see that he is so worth the risk. Here's Pastor Phil now with today's program, Truth For Today. I would speak to young people. Find something worth risking your life for. Find a cause greater than the only thing I hear in America today is make money, make money, make money. And especially in an economy like the Bay Area that costs so much to live here. And an economy that is $38 billion in debt. And a national debt of $450 billion. And when we've got people like Enron that can jeopardize your retirement for life. What is there to live for but money? Let me say to you, the interest of Christ is greater than money. My admiration is not for millionaires. It's for those who have risked all for the cause and purpose of Jesus Christ. Those are my heroes. We don't know what the outcome will be, but we will throw our life into this battle, Joab, and leave results with God. And that's what I love about being a Calvinist. I know my God's determined all outcomes. And even if it's my death by martyrdom, it's good for me. I've got a God in charge of my future. We see someone like Esther in the Bible. Esther, a Jewess, married by this Gentile Persian king. And uh, bribed and tricked by evil men that hate the Jewish people. And he gets the king, Ahasuerus, to make an edict that will kill all Jewish people in the province of Persia, which... My, it took up Iran, Iraq, Jordan. I mean, it, it, it was raining. It was a huge empire. Killed every Jew in the empire within so many days. The king doesn't even know he's married to a Jewish girl. She won the contest, not because she's Jewish, but because she's beautiful. And she had Uncle Mordecai kind of advise her all the way how to handle herself. And the king is just swept off his feet. And so Mordecai gets a hold of her and says, Are you aware of the edict? Your people, we are all going to be killed in so many days. You're our only hope for a reprieve. 
Let me tell you, you must go see the king. But to go see the king was a death wish, was to risk your life. You could never go into the presence of an oriental king without an invitation. You could not walk into the throne room without being killed. And so Mordecai lays down the options to Esther. And this is what Esther says to Mordecai to tell her people. Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. I'm expendable for a greater good, the salvation and the sparing of the lives of a people descended from Abraham and being connived against and hunted down. My life in exchange for theirs. And as the marvelous story goes, she goes in and the king extended the scepter, which meant, I'll receive you, no death, what do you want? And through this woman of faith, this courageous Jewish girl, a queen for a Gentile king, an edict and a plan is revealed And God brings hope and deliverance to his people, Israel. I would to God I could hear people in this place. And I would that I could say it. I said many things to God as a teenage boy being called. I think I need to renew a lot of my vows. You get comfortable. Comfort and ease seems to be an American right. But those that I follow have given up everything to make Christ known. If I perish, I perish. What a great thing. I think of three Hebrew boys that when the king of Babylon builds his uh, idol on the plains of Shinar, And says at a certain time, all the instruments will play and everybody on these planes are to bow down to my God in a moment's notice. At the fear of losing their life. And when they are pointed out because they are standing in the midst of this multitude, they are standing strong. The king inquires of them, are you out of your head? What's going on? And they reply, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But watch this. But if not. Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods. Or worship the golden image that you have set up. The king was says, bow or burn. And they said, we will trust God to be delivered or trust God to die. There's no alternative for us. God will either deliver us 
or we will willingly die than to become idolaters on the plains of Sinai. We know the one true living God, Yahweh. Let me tell you, young people, school is getting ready to start. And I found as a young person, it was always easy to live for God from June to September 1. It's when I got to school and all the dances and the parties and the fast crowd said, bow or don't be popular. Bow to our wishes. Give sex on the date or you won't get dates. Go and get drunk with us at the parties or you won't be invited to the parties. Let me tell you, tell them I will trust God. I will not bow. Don't bow. They will fall apart. And be wrecks by the time you graduate. And you can walk across with the joy of the Lord. Say, I found a purpose and a cause bigger than being drunk every weekend. And throwing away all my virtues. I've been called by the living God. I'm his child. I do what he says. I go where he says. I live for what he says. His interests are my interests. His word is my guide. I will bank my life on him. I think of the Paul, the apostle. He wanted to go to Jerusalem, preach one more time. And on his way there, Agabus rises up in Acts 19 uh, and Acts 21. Don't go there. You'll be killed. Don't go there. And all the ways he's meeting with the churches on the way back to Jerusalem. Don't go. They're going to kill you. Don't, Paul. It's dangerous. They know that you become a believer. You're going to hometown. You're going to be killed. And he says in Acts 21, 13, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I'm ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And Luke tells his friends, and since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. And when you read in 2 Corinthians 11, Whipped five times of the Jews, 39 stripes. The law said you can give them 40. But the law said if you get one stripe over, the executioner could get the beating. So they always went one less, 39. Five times, shipwrecked. Imagine being out on the Mediterranean three days and three nights holding on to a piece of timber. Because you were out there preaching and had a shipwreck. Well acquainted with suffering. Fasting, betrayal. What for? What for? For me to live is Christ. Life will soon evaporate. The globe is filled with perishing men and women, boys and girls. And in Paul's perspective, the whole Gentile world is in the dismal darkness of idolatry. They've never known the God of Abraham. They will perish, perish, perish. And why would a Jewish boy care? Because the interest of Christ became his interest. And God said, I'm tired of sending Gentiles to hell. I want someone to give them the gospel. And we ought to be tired of all around us perishing, 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 dying, Jew and Gentile alike, perishing, perishing. Who would risk their life 
on the job to speak up for Christ, at school, in the neighborhood? Is there any light out there in the week? Are you only one that picks up God on Sunday and the rest of the week you put him under a bushel? Oh, how our community needs a savior, someone that will go public for God. Instead of just being sermon tasters, sermon critiquers, and just comfortable pews, how are we getting our message out? The interest of Christ, I beg you, not my agenda. I keep asking myself, are you doing your own thing or his thing? I will speak tonight of things I'd love to see our church do, but they'll never happen unless he energizes and wants it. I think of uh, people in the first century. Stephen Neal said to become a Christian in the first century, as he wrote about missions, he said, undoubtedly Christians under the Roman Empire had no legal right to existence and were liable to the utmost stringency of the law. Every Christian knew that sooner or later he might have to testify to his faith at the cost of his life. Would you rather die for the faith or die of unbelief walking around in the wilderness for 40 years because you couldn't trust God to give you the land? The wasted life is the life that will not risk all for Christ. The wasted life is the safe, secure, bore life that never puts God's interest. Nothing could be as boring as dying with a room full of money and no impact for the cause of Jesus Christ. To live on purpose. I think of John Patton. John Patton uh, was the great Scottish missionary to the New Hebrides. Uh, New Hebrides Islands, if you took a map and you went through the uh, Hawaiian Islands and just kept going for Australia, uh, it's those islands that way. And they named it New Hebrides after a similar set of islands off of the coast of Scotland. So they named it that. And uh, in, 18, uh, in 1839, John Williams and James Harris from the London Missionary Society were the first missionaries to ever go, the first white men missionaries to ever go to these islands. When they landed, they were clubbed at the beach and eaten by cannibals. Thus, the island was baptized with the blood of martyrs. And Christ thereby told the whole Christian world that these people were worth enough to him to allow some of his servants to be clubbed to death by them. Nineteen years later, a man by the name of John Patton, who had a very successful urban, what we'd call a missions ministry in the city. We might think of Bay Area Rescue Mission or had a very effective ministry going on in Scotland and uh, was greatly admired, had, was having great impact. And then he said, God wants me to go to foreign missions. And, the, and no one could understand. He says, are, where for New Hebrides? Are, are you out of your mind? And Mr. Dixon speaks up. He said, the cannibals, the cannibals. You will be eaten by cannibals. And he said this, of course, in light of what happened 19 years before of these brothers they sent out never heard of again. 
Patton's reply was, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now, and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave, there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day, my resurrection body will rise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. I think of Jim Elliott and the writings of his wife, Elizabeth, along with the Elliots were uh, Nate Saint and his dear wife, sister Rachel. Uh, This year, some of us brothers went to a shepherd's conference in Southern California at John MacArthur's. On the final day, the son of Nate Saint was there. He had gone back to uh, Ecuador and worked with his Aunt Rachel. And as he got up and shared somewhat about uh, the history of that mission and the faith of his father, at one point, he invites a man to come up, a short man, wasn't he? I don't know if he made five feet, but he's very short. And you knew you had an Ecuadorian Indian in front of you. And he said, I'd like for you to meet the man that killed my father. And the man that has become my brother. And we have worked together and I'm taking, I take him across the United States as his translator. And I speak for him. And at one time they had to let him sing. Of course, none of us knew what he was singing, but he was into it. Believe me. He, he sang with all of his heart. And in essence, uh, in all the writings of Rachel, a great book you may want to read, old, if you can even get it, My Kinsman, My Savage, Savage, My Kinsman. I have my sister's copy. Don't tell her. She's not here today. Pictures and the horror story of what they went through. A bunch of single women that continued in that jungle until they led the killers of their husbands to the Lord. And I look around our young people and even people in the church. And the hardest thing they do is go to church. Uh, We have all kinds of ministries. I I think of these that, why is it that some would die for the cause? And others think they're dying because they attend. Or the the varied levels of commitment across the so-called Christian spectrum. To people who barely attend, they live for money, themselves, uh, their interests, whatever that may be. And those who say, if it's poverty, I sign up. If it's martyrdom, I sign up. If it's hardship, I sign up. What is it? For me to live is Christ. And to die will be the best thing that could ever happen Because I'll immediately go into a divine embrace with my Savior. What really makes me tick is his interest anyway. Nothing as empty as a self-centered life. And nothing is as indicting as a believer who is still self-centered. 
How can it be that we would embrace Christ as Savior and still be full of ourselves? How does it make sense to be in love with mud when you have the treasure of treasures? Christ. Maybe it's why missions suffer so much among us. You people are supporting missions. You're, you're giving, many of you are giving. Uh, we are amazed at the way God keeps bringing finances, whether it's to help our dear brother Tommy Bradford when you gave the $10,000 and then you gave 7000 for another mission. Money, we just are amazed at your giving. God, God has raised up some givers in this, and God will reward you. But will we give sons and daughters? Will we give ourselves? What's, if you can make any of your children anything you can make them, what would you make them to be? I had one of my children the other day said, you know, if God ever gives me a boy, I'm asking that God would make him a preacher. It's the only time I've ever heard that. Because I don't call my grandchildren. But inside of me, inside of me, I thought, oh, if all of my grandchildren died on a mission field for the cause of Christ, nothing would make me have greater joy at the throne But if they were all just money lovers, self-centered people, I don't care if they own everything. I want them to own Christ and make him known. Someone asked, where did John Patton get this desire, this desire to live this way? And his biographer says, as a boy, he grew up with an old Scottish Presbyterian father that daily they heard him praying in the closet for the children three times a day. And when he said he finally wanted to leave home and go to seminary that would take him away from home, he said his old dad walked with him the eight miles before he could go no further as an old man. And he describes he held his hat in his hand all the way and prayed under his lips for John Patton. He prayed, he prayed. And finally when the boy, he said to the boy, The blood of the martyrs runs in our family, for many of their family had been killed by the Catholic persecution of Scotland. And they were Presbyterians who died. And they said, we would rather have the blood of the martyrs in our veins than the blood of the Parliament of England. And as he went, Patton says, as he walked, he could only go so far until he dodged to the side of the road so he could heave and weep at saying goodbye to his dear old dad. And then he said he walked a little bit further and he went up on this one dike. And when he looked back, he saw the old man standing. He never left. Still standing with a hat. And he said, my son, your mother and I give you to something greater than a family name. We give you to the interest of Christ. We willingly part with you. And he said, the old man finally turned off the dike where they could barely see and left and walked the eight miles back home. And he went on to train himself to preach the Bible. Would any of you, do any of you dare pray that God give us some preachers? You act like there's abundance of preachers. No, they're not. 
There's not enough fools for Christ to be preachers. Would you pray for missionaries to come out of our ranks? Not just to send checks. We need people. How about urban missions right here in the Bay Area? Urban missions. You know, this building ought to be twice packed every day. We ought to be going to three services. Why? Because so many people are being led to Christ by our witness and penetration. They're hopeless outside these doors in the darkness. But comfort and ease has never built the church. And this kind of preaching has never made people want to sit under it long unless they're conquered by Christ. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.